Hey, this is Noah Fritchie, and I'm the lead pastor of Real Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. It's great to have you here today. Uh, Like Curtis said, we're starting a brand new series uh, called New You, New Relationships, and uh, this really wasn't in the calendar whenever we uh, whenever we started looking at the 2019 church calendar, but I really felt like we needed to extend this time of spiritual growth. I don't know how many of you really just enjoyed uh, that first season of January. I know I really enjoyed it with with praying and fasting. And uh, well, don't don't worry, we're not going to fast and pray <laughs> again. And we're not going to we're not going to make you do that again. But what we want to do is we just want to extend the season. Of, of really what we're calling focused spiritual growth, um, where we are really focused on making 2019 the best year of our life. And we're going to do that because it's going to be the best year of our life spiritually. And so we've came up with this new year, new you. And we really uh, wanted to do this because I know so many people struggle with relationships. And that's just, uh, that's one of the big problems in this world is I feel like a lot of people really don't know how to have a healthy relationship. And I don't just want you to clock out right at the beginning of this message thinking we're going to talk about married people and couples and stuff like this. I'm talking about relationships all the way around. You have relationships with everybody that you meet, whether you know it or not. You have a relationship with your boss. You have a relationship with your coworkers. You have a relationship with your friends. That's the type of relationships I'm talking about. So if I ever say relationships, don't just, don't just tune out and be like, well, I don't have a boyfriend, girlfriend, or I'm not married, or my marriage sucks, or whatever. Don't, don't just, <laughs> but don't just tune it out. Um, just know that we're not just talking about that type of relationships. We're talking about relationships um, that are really, that you have with everybody. And so to really extend this time of focused spiritual growth, we've put together a resource for you that I hope you got in on the, on, you got in, you got this book on the way in. Um, it's a journal, and uh, it's a little bit different than the, the devotional that we handed out uh, last month. This is actually going to be more of a journal. Every day, um, it, we're, I, I want to highly encourage you every day to uh, do this, what's called SOAP, which is basically scripture, observation, application, and prayer. So there's a passage in here for you to read every day. And every day, I want to encourage you to take a scripture that you really loved out of that passage and write it out. When you write things out, you tend to remember it better. So write it out on the write it out there, and then um, write out your observation, basically uh, what what you saw in the scripture, and then write out an application on how does this scripture apply to me right now. And if you really want to write out your prayer, and I think it would be so cool. This covers the whole month. Of February, if you could go back through February, and you could see, man, that this first this first devotional day in February, I was praying for this, but God healed it and God fixed it at the end of the series. So I would love for you uh, to join us and do that. This is a great resource. We do this for you, so we hope you guys use them. Um, also, uh, I just wanted to point out that in the front of this book, there is actually a sermon note section. Every week, when we get to the sermon notes. Uh, if you would like to, you can go ahead and you can just take notes in this book, and you can have everything in this book, and right alongside of it is basically a write-up of what, a general write-up of what I'm talking about that week. So if you want to skip ahead and see what I'm talking about week two, you can read that after service, all right? Don't be reading it while I'm up here. Pay attention to controlling people. That's what we're talking about today. 
How many of you know someone who is a controlling person? Would you raise your hand? Raise your hand if you know a controlling person. Now, if the person next to you tried to pull your arm down, then that, you know that you have a controlling person, all right? Uh, that, <laughs> that's the type of people that we're talking about today. We're talking about controlling people, controlling relationships. And really, this series is all about, basically, you know, God loves us. And, and as God loves us, we're called to love people. That's one of the greatest commandments that Jesus says there is, is, is that we're called to love people. But there are just some people in life that are just really hard to love, and they're a little more difficult to love than others. And how do we love people who really just suck the life out of us? Who, when you're around them, man, it just doesn't feel good. You just feel all gross, like you need to go home, and you need to take a shower after being around them. How do we love those type of people. If Jesus says we need to love them, how in the world can we do it? How do we do it? Well, how do we love people who are critical? How do we love needy people, people who just always want something and need something? How do we love hypocritical people? Ooh, that's a good one. There's a lot of hypocrites out there. We're going to talk all about that in this series. But today, like I said, we're talking about some control freaks, some real control freaks. So I, I, I guarantee that many of you have probably been hurt by one of these people. How many of you have been hurt by a control freak? Show of hands. You've been hurt by someone who just wants to control your life. Yeah, many of us have really been hurt by a control freak. But here's the deal. Many control freaks, I, they, they're, they're basically trying to be an authority figure in your life. They might actually be an authority figure in your life that is abusing their power, but most of them, most of the control freaks are not really just intentionally malicious. Like they, they're not just out to get you, but uh, so many times if you dig deeper, if you take the mask off a control freak, many times you will find that it's just really a person who's hurting on the inside. It's really a person who's afraid. It's really a person who, who just, who is just very, very insecure. So insecure people really tend to be control freaks, and they just want us to do what what they, think we should be, what they think we should be doing with our life. They just want to control our lives so that they can make us better. That's how they view it. If, if they could control our life, they could really just make us better. I call these people an emotional black hole. That's really what they are, that no matter what you do, they constantly crave attention, and they just want more, and they just want more, and they just want more, more, and more. And if they don't get what they want, oh, you're going to find out, you're going to know who's the controller in here by this. If, if the controlling people don't get what they want, you know what they do? They start to pout. They start to scream. They start to cry. They start to throw stuff across the house. I hope I'm not the only one that's seen stuff like that. I mean, that's, it's just, oh, and they get so aggravated. They stomp, they whine, they complain, they threaten. They even give you the silent treatment. I'm not talking to you. And, you know, that's, that's the type of people we're talking about, the people that you're constantly walking on eggshells around. Like, you never know what they're going to be like. And if you're thinking of someone, please, like Curtis said, don't point them out. Uh, they will be revealed in, you know, your heart and God's heart. All right? So you don't have to, you don't have to point them out to God. But anyway, uh, what, how, do we, how do we deal with these people? How do we love the people who try to control us? Well, in order to love the people who really try to control us, we have to understand what weapons these guys use. What weapons does a control freak 
use. In order to understand how to deal with them, we have to know their weapons. And there's really two weapons that I wrote down. The controller's two greatest weapons are this, threats and guilt. The controller controlling people constantly want to use threats, and they constantly want to use guilt. Maybe you know someone like this. Maybe you know someone who says, you know what? If you don't do it, you're going to regret it. I'm going to make you regret it. Maybe there's someone in your life that says, if you don't perform, you're going to be punished. Maybe there's someone that says, if you don't do this, I'm going to make you pay. That's the type of controlling people that we're talking about. I'm talking about that boyfriend that really threatens to break up with you if you don't do what he wants you to do. I'm talking about the boss that terrifies you, that, that is always on edge, the spouse that is constantly threatening to leave and get divorced or whatever it is to get, get out. I'm talking about these type of people, and there's nothing you can do to really satisfy them. And so they threaten you constantly, and they want you, and they want you to feel threatened. And the other thing that they want you to do is they want you to feel guilty. Man, they want you to feel that guilt. They say things like, after all I've done for you, won't you just do this one thing for me? Do you not remember what I did way back when? Why can't you just do something for me? I always do everything and you don't do anything. That's the type of people we're talking about. Why can't you just do this for me? And the, the, the friends that you have that you say, I, that, that say, I thought we were close. Man, I thought we were close, but obviously I can't count on you. Those types of people, the friend that says, you call yourself a Christian? Oh, some Christian you are. Making you feel guilty. I like this, the relative that, you, that, that says you never call, and they're like, you never call. I could be dead for three weeks, and no one would know anything. You know who I'm talking about? It's that, that one person that's like, you never call me. That's the type of people that we're talking about. That's the controlling people really make us feel guilty. And so how in the world, how do we as Christ followers love people who try to control us? How do we love people who try to control us? Well, today we're going to do something a little bit different than what we usually do. Usually I have a bunch of scriptures um, that I reference, but today we just have a passage of scripture that we're really just going to read and digest. It's a story of Jesus and Peter. It's found in Matthew 16. It's a story about Jesus and Peter where Peter, at the end of the story, he really tries to control Jesus. I don't think Peter is intentionally trying to control Jesus, but I think he is unintentionally trying to show Jesus and, and trying to take over in Jesus' life. Here's what was happening, a little bit of backstory before we get to this passage. Jesus was really explaining to his disciples that the master plan of God, the plan was that Jesus has come to this earth to give his life and to die and to be raised back to life. And so when Jesus said, I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised back to life, Peter steps in and he says, no, 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 no. No, Jesus, no, you cannot do that. Here's where we pick up right here in uh, Matthew 16, verses 22, I think. Uh, it says this, Peter took him aside. I want to hey, stop right here. Do you ever notice that when people try to control you, the first thing they do is they try to isolate you? The best, one of the greatest weapons that the controller has is that he, if, if he or she or whoever it is can isolate you, they can get you to do what they want, to, want you to do. That's what they try to do. And this is what, this is what Peter does to Jesus. Peter, Peter takes Jesus aside. He gets him by himself. 
And here's what he says. And he began to, Peter begins to rebuke Jesus and he says, Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, and this is the famous scripture, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. What can we learn from this story? How do we love the people who try to control us? How do we love the people who try to manipulate us? I've got three things for you this morning. I hope you enjoy them. Number one, you have to know what you are called to do. You have to know why you're on this planet. I know we've talked about this a lot recently, but that goes with spiritual growth. You have to know what you are called to do. Can I tell you that Jesus knew his mission? Jesus knew his mission very clearly. In fact, if you read anywhere in the Gospels, you see Jesus all the time. He says, he says stuff like this. He says, I've come to seek and to save the lost. He's constantly going around saying, I've come to give ransom for many. I've come to die and to be raised back to life. Jesus, all through the Gospels, he knew his mission. He knew what he was on earth for. He knew what he was called to do. He knew exactly why he was here. And can I tell you, for you to love controlling people, you have to define what you are called to do. You have to understand what you are called to do. But I think so many people, they, they mess this up because, because whenever we use the words called to do, it sounds, like, it sounds like something so great big, like I'm called to have a cure for cancer or I'm called to go be a missionary to Uganda or whatever it is. We think that it's what, if God calls you to do something, it's something gigantic. But sometimes it's not so gigantic. Our calling sometimes isn't that specific. But maybe God's just calling you to the people closest to you. Maybe God's calling you to be a good husband to your wife. Maybe God's calling you to be a good wife to your husband. Maybe God's calling you to parent your children. Maybe God's calling you in this season of your life to go to school and graduate school. Maybe God's calling you to serve at a church. Maybe God is calling you to witness at your workplace, whatever it is. Your calling doesn't have to be so big. It can be to the people around you. But what you have to know is you have to know what you are called to do. You have to understand why you're on this earth. Can I tell you, I know what I'm called to do. I know that in this season of my life, I'm to lay down my life and pastor this church. I feel like that's what I'm called to do, especially in this season of my life. I have a clear calling. And can I tell you, because I have a clear calling, it drives everything else that I do. I, can, I know what to do because I know my calling, and my calling drives what I do. You have to know your calling clearly. But here's the problem, and here's why so many people don't understand their calling or even know their calling. Here's the reason. Because we're people pleasers. We constantly want to please everybody around us. And when you try to please people around us, people-pleasing is actually a form of idolatry. You know why? Because when you put people's opinions of you ahead of God's calling for you, it's just completely wrong. Stop putting people's opinions of you over what God's called you to do. Understand that God has called you to do something, and don't people-please 
all the time. Listen, I understand. People want me to be everywhere all the time. It's constantly, everybody has a plan for my life. Can I tell you? And everybody probably has a plan for your life. They have a plan for your time. They know where you should be. They know that you need to save every, do every, meet every. I mean, at least in my life, that's what they, they, they want to tell me what to do. And if I constantly was a people pleaser, I would never be able to fo follow the calling of God on my life. And you need to understand that, that your calling clarifies who you are and what you do. You need to know who, what you are called to do. Why? Because calling creates clarity. Calling creates clarity in your life. It'll show you what to do. What does every controlling person have in common? What does every controlling person have in common? Here it is. One thing every controlling person has in common is every controlling person has someone who allows it. If you're people-pleasing, if you're constantly people-pleasing, this is what you're doing. You're allowing that controlling person to be the Lord of your life. When you, you people-please over God, this is what you're doing. You're giving the controller a control of your life. And can I tell you, the person who controls your life has a problem. But can I tell you, you have a problem if you let it happen. So do you. You have a big problem if you let it happen. That's why your calling is so important. If you understand your calling and if you understand why you're here and you, and you understand what you are supposed to do, you will get rid of that controlling person. I wonder in this season, I wonder if you would just ask yourself in your seats, what are you called to do in this season of your life? What are you supposed to be doing in this season of your life? Here's the second point. First, you're supposed to know what you're called to do. The second thing is, you need to know when someone is trying to control you. You've got to identify it. It's just that simple. You've got to know when they're controlling you. In fact, Jesus says, this is what I must do. God's will. Jesus explains that he has to. He, Jesus knows his calling. Jesus says, it's God's will for me to die and be raised back to life. But then Peter comes up and he says, no, Lord, no way. No way, Jose. It's not happening, all right? There's no way I'm going to let this happen. Jesus, you can't die. I'm not going to let you die. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand and defend you. That's why Peter comes up and he, and he says this. Now, can I tell you, was Peter an evil person for saying this? No. Peter cared about Jesus. In fact, was Peter the worst guy to ever live? No, no. But did Peter hate God? No, but he was trying, he, he didn't know it, but he was actually trying to distract Jesus from God's perfect will. In fact, Jesus, or in fact, Peter was a good guy. If you read right before this passage in your Bible, you find out that Peter won Jesus' jeopardy. <laughs> I, I don't know if you know this passage. It's where, it's where Jesus says, who do you say I am? And he goes around to all the disciples, and the disciples are saying all different stuff that, that is not right. And, and, and Jesus looks at Peter, and he says, Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter looks at Jesus, and I can just imagine it, and Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, you know, nothing on earth has revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed this to you. Jesus, or Peter just won Jesus' jeopardy, all right? 
He got the answer correct. He got it right. And so Peter didn't hate Jesus. In fact, he loved Jesus. He got, the peop- he got it exactly right. Peter wasn't an evil controller. But can I tell you, in that moment, he put his desires in front of God's desires. He put what he wanted in front of God's will. And that's why you have to acknowledge when you're called to something and someone is trying to take it away. And so why did Peter try to control Jesus? Why in the world did Peter step in and try to control Jesus? You know why? Because Peter didn't understand God's plan. There are people in your life that don't understand the plan of God in your life. And when they don't understand God's plan in your life, they try to step in and they try to fix it, all right? They try to get you to do what they want you to do. That's where Peter was. Peter was like, no way, Jesus. I don't want you to die. No way, man. I, don't, don't die on me. I'll save you. Peter didn't understand God's plan. You have to recognize when someone is threatening you. You have to recognize when someone is putting you through a guilt trip. And you have to, you have to recognize when someone takes you aside and isolates you from your friends. You need to be able to see that. And you need, to, you need to be able to see that guy who wants to manipulate you and who wants, and who wants you to get you to, to meet some needs that you weren't designed to meet. You need to identify that. You need to know your calling, and you need to know when someone is trying to control you. And here's the third thing. You need to know when to draw the line in the sand. This is the fun one. You need to know when to cut it off. You need to know when to say, enough is enough. I can't take this anymore. In fact, this is what Jesus does to Peter. If you look at Matthew 16, 22, it says this. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Say it after me. Say, get behind me, Satan. Isn't that fun to say? (laughs) Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Concerned. Say it one more time. Get behind me, Satan. So, when your grandma makes you feel real guilty, uh-oh, <laughs> you got to look at your grandma and say, Grandma, you can't talk to me like that, and then say, get behind me, Satan. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that, please. <laughs> please, please don't do that, all right? Nicer ways to say it. Jesus is just pretty direct here, but don't do that. But Jesus is basically saying that, Peter, this is God's will for me to do this. And imagine if Jesus is codependent. What am I talking about? Imagine if Jesus' identity is based on what Peter thinks about him. Imagine if Jesus says, okay, I'm going to die and be raised back to life for, for the sins of the whole world. And Peter jumps in and says, no, no, Jesus. I don't want you to die. I don't want you to do this. I'm going to be so mad if you do something like that. And imagine Jesus. If Jesus is codependent, Jesus is like, well, uh, uh, don't be upset, Peter. Don't be upset. I I mean, Peter is probably like, I'm I'm not going to be your disciple anymore. I'm going to unfollow you on Instagram. I'm going to get rid of you, Jesus. If you do that, Jesus, I'm going to give you the silent treatment. Imagine if Peter is like that, and imagine if Jesus is codependent. What if Jesus says, okay, Peter, if you don't want me to do it, I won't do it. Just don't throw a fit. I was just going to save the whole world, but I mean, you can just be friends, all right? 
Imagine if that's Jesus. Imagine if Jesus, if, if, if Jesus was codependent, if, he, if his identity was based on what Peter thought about him. Imagine what would happen. It, it, Jesus wouldn't have got anywhere. Can I tell you that if you give control to a person, God isn't directing you. Someone else is. When you give control to someone else in your life, God isn't directing you. Someone else is. And you have to recognize when that person is taking your calling away. You have to understand when that person oversteps their boundaries and is actually taking you away from God's higher calling on your life. Jesus says to Peter, you don't have in mind the things of God. You have in mind the things of men. There's people in your life. They don't care about what God's called you to do. All they're thinking about is the things of men and how impossible that could be. You need to get rid of some of those people. You need to draw the line in the sand. There's someone that's, that loves you right now that might be distracting you from your higher calling and your higher purpose because you idolize what they think more than what God thinks about you. You care more about what they think about you than, than what God thinks about you. And so what do we do now if we know that someone is controlling us? How do we, what do we do? I've got two more things and then we're going to wrap it up. I hope these things are freeing for you. Here's the first one. The relationships that you have are a combination of what you've created and what you've allowed. The relationships in your life are just a combination of what you've already created and what you've already allowed. And can I tell you, your marriage is like this, your parents', uh, your parents relationships is like this, your siblings are like this, your friends are like this, your coworkers are like this, your boss is like this, your kids are like this. Your kids are who they are because of what you created and what you've allowed. That's exactly who they are. And here's the deal. You've either really created healthy patterns with those relationships or you've created or you've allowed unhealthy ones. You've either created healthy ones or allowed unhealthy ones. That's why this last point here is this. If you don't like what you have, you've got to change what you expect and you've got to change what you accept. If you don't like what you have, if you don't like the relationship that you have, you need to change what you expect, and you need to change what you accept. That's what Jesus did to Peter. Jesus loved Peter. Like I said, Peter, just before that, he got the answer right. Jesus was like, well done. But then a moment later, a moment later, Jesus says, no, I'm not going to let you take the call of God off of my life. I know my calling, and I know this is not in my calling. You can look at people and you can say, man, I love you, but I'm not going to let you threaten me anymore. I'm not going to let you throw me on this guilt trip anymore. It stops here. And can I tell you, it might hurt because I love you, but I'm not going to bail you out this time. You might, you might have a friend that is constantly you, trying, to, trying to get you to do things. No, 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 no. I'm not going to bail you out this time. This is the end of that, we're drawing the line in the sand. Can I tell you, we do this with two-year-olds. When two-year-olds act up in the store and they want this candy, and they start crying and throw a fit, do you always just buy them the candy? No. You've got to teach them that you can't just have everything that you want whenever you want. That two-year-old can't control you. Please, don't let them. Well, I mean, sometimes, if they're just screaming terror, sometimes it's just like, yeah, have the candy, but later on, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have a talk with you later on. 
Sometimes, sometimes we give in to the controller. You don't need to give in to that controller. We teach our two-year-olds that they can't control us. You don't need to let people in your life control you. You need to expect something better. So there's relationships in your life that you've allowed to, for them to disrespect you. You need to stop and you say, I'm not going to allow you to disrespect me. I'm not going to allow that anger with me. I'm not going to allow you to have that tone with me anymore. I'm not going to allow you to control me. And can I tell you, when you do this, beware. When you confront a controlling person, it's not easy. Can I tell you? It's not easy. The the controlling person is probably going to shout. They're probably going to have withdrawals. They're probably going to be very critical about you. They're probably going to say some very mean things. And the reason is, is because they're hurt. When you hurt, it it hurts. It hurts to know the truth. Can Can I tell you this? Is it difficult? Yes, it's difficult. to to confront a controller in your life, but can I tell you, but so is it living in a dysfunctional relationship for the rest of your life. It's difficult to confront it, but it's so much more difficult to live with it. I don't know why you would want to live with someone like that. And can I be honest for a minute? Let's just be honest. It's really easy to point the finger at other people. It's really easy to think that It's just other people who want to control us. But can I tell you, many of us in here are probably battling with the same thing. We're probably controlling. Can I tell you, I am. (laughs) I'm a controlling person. That's just all there is to it. I am a controlling person. Every now and then, when I look in the mirror, I I, I feel like I have tattooed over the the cross of my head, king of the control freaks. (laughs) I feel like that some mornings. You know why? Because a lot of people say God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. Can I tell you? I say God loves you and I have a wonderful plan for your life. (laughs) Let me teach you. Let me show you. I can make a wonderful plan for your life. A king of the control freaks. That's how I feel. I am a control freak. And my family said amen. And the staff said amen. And the volunteers said amen. And I guarantee the band is back there amen and too. Because I am a control freak. It is who I am. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. I want to play God. I want to be God. I want to have everything my way. I want to, I want to do it how I want to do it. And, and I, I want to play God. But here's the problem. I don't make a good God. Under no circumstance do I make a good God. And neither do you. <laughs> None of us. We don't make a good God. And, but can I tell you that no matter how much guilt, no matter how many times you threaten, no matter what you do, do you, do you really have the power to change your spouse? No. Can I ask you this? Does God have the power to change your spouse? Yes, He does. No matter how much, no matter how much you threaten, no matter how much you try to control your kid's future. I'm talking about you, helicopter parents. No matter how much you want to control your kid's future, can you actually control it? No, you can't. Can God control it? Yes, absolutely he can. Let me ask you this. Can you force someone to overcome an addiction? No, you can't. Can God? Yes, he can. Can you take the old away from somebody's life and make them new again? No, you can't. But can I tell you, our good God can take the old and make it new 
again. Stop trying to control people. You have to realize that you don't have the power to control people. And you don't have to have that power. You need to stop being like God. And you've got to surrender to him. That's what Jesus says next in this passage. It says it right here in Matthew 16, 24. After the end of Peter trying to control Jesus, Jesus wraps it up and gives us a little lesson from it. He says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Can I tell you, when you follow Jesus, you are not in control. You don't have control. When you follow Jesus, it's not about your will. But from that moment on, it's about his will. Why in the world is that important? Why is that important? Because when we let someone wrongly control us or we wrongly try to control someone else, it's not about Jesus. We're trying to be God when we try to control people. And when people try to control us, they're just trying to be God. And can I tell you, the only way you can truly follow him is to surrender to his will. Don't try to control someone else. Can I tell you, if you're trying to control someone else, you need to stop it. Surrender it to God. I know you love them. Instead of controlling them, maybe you need to love them. Maybe you need to pray for them. And maybe you need to trust that God is working in their hearts. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? This morning, I want to pray for all the people who might be like me, might be a little bit of a control freak. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that we get rid of this spirit, this controlling spirit that is in all of our lives, God. Lord, we're done with trying to control people and make them how we want them to be, but instead, we're going to love them to you. We're going to pray them to you. We're going to trust that they are in your hands this morning. I pray that you release that controlling spirit from every one of us. If you're in here this morning and you've said, I've, I've, someone is manipulating me, someone is controlling me, I want to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bind that controlling thing. We, we get it out of their life, God, whether it's a friend, whether it's a family member, whether it's a husband or wife, Lord, whatever it is, whether it's a boss or a coworker, whoever is trying to control that person, God, I pray that you would bind them in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that chains would break right now. I pray that you would show anyone who's being controlled by someone else how to handle that situation, God, how to handle it with love. God, I know it's going to be hard. It's hard to conf confront a controlling person, but God, with your help, we can do it. God, I pray that they don't spend the rest of their life under a controlling person, Lord. We thank you that there are people in here being set free right now in the name of Jesus. That controlling thing has to leave in your name, Jesus. And we thank you for that. If you're in here this morning and you say, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I've never met the real Jesus. I've never felt him as strongly as I do right now. I want to surrender my life to him. I've been controlling, but I want to surrender my life to him and I want a fresh start. If that's you in here on the count of three, I would just love for you to raise your hand just so I know who I'm praying for. Are you ready? One, two, three. Would you raise your hands right now all over this room? Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. 
Church, because we believe in this prayer, we're going to pray this all together. So would you say this after me? Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth and dying for me. But I believe you were raised from the dead. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Would you give it up for all those people who prayed that prayer this morning?